Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Acts 6 1. Don't worry, I'm not having an Alzheimer's senior moment right now. I know I read this last Sunday. Don't be like, <gasps> God help the pastor right now. That's coming later. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Would you read that with me? Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Wow, wow. I'm not even interested in that next piece. Verse 7. Read verse 7 with me. Ready? Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, I want to say that everything that happened in the first century church is a prophecy to the 21st century church. Are you with me? Everything that God did for them, he wants to do for us. And he is going to do in the 21st century. Everything. The word spread. The number of disciples multiplied. The first verse says multiplied. This one says multiplied greatly. You put those two words together. Multiplies powerful. Greatly is powerful. But they multiplied greatly. And a great many of priests. That's denominational good pastors with Bibles on their pulpits today but their tradition won't let them preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking with tongues and their tradition won't allow them to preach that originally all baptism was by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Tradition is the enemy of truth. It can be. And so today, I'm directing your attention. Sorry, I'm just having fun. Luke chapter 5, Luke 5. So it was, the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake Genesaret, same thing as Sea of Galilee. Saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. You know, you be the carpenter, we'll be the fisherman. (laughs) Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came, filled both the boats. They began to sink. When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Simon's basically saying, I could have never done this. I know this was a God thing. Verse 9, for 
he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partnered with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid or do not be in awe. From now on, you will catch men. Jesus assigned a purpose to this miracle. Now notice this. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. My subject today, as I give my last message in January for Vision Month, is entitled, It's Time to Dock the Boat. It's time to dock the boat. Amen. Everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time. Maybe seated. So today I'm going to talk about fishing. I know very little about it. I'm a city slicker golfer. I know nothing about fishing. However, 31 years ago, and Brother Tinsley, if you're watching, he hates it when I tell this story because he's never had anything close to this. He thinks he's the best fisherman in the church. But I want to show you if Katie. That's me, folks. I mean, the one on the left. <laughs> 31 years ago, Gulf of Alaska. That's what you call beginner's luck. That's a 215-pound halibut, and it's not gained one pound, David Atkins, in 30 years I've been telling that story. How about that? Now, I not only can catch fish, but I raised a couple sons. They can catch fish. Look at Justin's spoonbill. That ain't no joke. David Grooms took him. I don't know where you guys were. Warsaw, Missouri. Caught that spoonbill, and then his little brother, Caleb, not to be beaten, deep sea fishing in the Pacific with his Minnesota Twins jacket on, caught a link cod. How much was that? How much did that weigh? Oh. He had no idea. See, he's not a fisherman either. That's all we know about fishing. Luke is a unique gospel writer because he's not numbered among the first disciples. He came to Christ later, obeyed the gospel, was born again. Luke became integral to the church. He actually ended up on the great apostle Paul's leadership team. He was a physician. He's unique among the four gospel writers because he also wrote the only book of church history in the entire New Testament, that being the Acts of the Apostles. Listen to this carefully. Because Luke wrote a gospel and the history of the first 30 years of the church, it makes me wonder if Luke ever intent, attempted to intentionally connect the teachings, the prophecies, the miracles of Jesus' ministry recorded in the four Gospels, and particularly Luke's Gospel, if he's ever connecting any of those items to the Acts account, is he bridging them? Is he 
showing us that, hey, what Jesus talked about in the Gospels, it actually happened in the book of Acts. And I think this is a reasonable and informed conjecture. If this perhaps was a God-inspired mindset of Luke, then I would suggest that this text we preached from last week and today, Acts 6, 1 and 7, about disciples multiplying, has a basis in Luke's gospel. I think Luke is circling back when he's writing the Acts narrative. And he's saying, do you remember the day we had that miraculous catch of fish? Do you remember the day fish came out of nowhere and ripped our nets and sunk our boats and gave us bragging rights down at the pier? (laughs) Do you remember that? This is what's going on. This is the fulfillment of that miracle. In Acts chapter 6, Jesus was a teacher. He was a rabbi. He was a master teacher. And all gifted teachers do one thing very well. They take their students from what they know to what they don't know. They start with the common, the understood, the conceived, the perception, and then they push I don't know. They challenge the student and they take them to the edge of revelation. In the Gospels, Jesus is training the future leaders of the church. They don't know anything about church. They're fishermen. They smell like mud and dead fish. What do they know about the church? Jesus, the master teacher, is taking them from what they know, fishing, to what they don't know, church. Revival. Reaching the world. A move of God. Changing lives. Miracles. Redemption. Baptizing. Praying them through to the Holy Ghost. Prayer meetings. They don't know anything about what is in their future. They have no clue about what is about ready to hit them. But the master teacher takes advantage of the opportunity that day at the Sea of Galilee to say, boys, when revival hits, it's going to look like this. Man, I feel the anointing right now. Come on me. When revival hits, it's going to sound like this. When revival really comes to the church, it's going to feel like it's ripping all your nets. Ha! When revival comes, sometimes it's going to be so overwhelming, it feels like it's sinking your boats. It feels like it's breaking your records. It feels like it's bigger than you. It feels like you did nothing to get the credit for it. It's going to feel like you just want to fall at the knees of Jesus and say, Lord, depart from me. I can't take any credit for this. I didn't do this. This was a sovereign move of God. Woo! Hallelujah. Are you with me? Does this make sense? 
So Jesus knows the day is coming when he's going to be leaving. And he's going to be launching a local church that will expand into a worldwide church. But it started in Jerusalem. Folks, the real church started in Jerusalem. Huh? The only church that God has in this world started in Jerusalem. I'm not calling out names. I'm not going to make any labels here today. But I'm going to tell you, the church did not start in Salt Lake City. The church did not start in Anderson or Cleveland, Indiana. Huh? The church did not even start, let me talk about the Pentecostals, at Azusa Street. I'm a part of the church that started on 33 AD in an upper room in Jerusalem where the Holy Ghost fell. Come on, that's the church that I'm in. That was the day that Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Let me ask you a question today. Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins? It's your privilege. It's your opportunity. I'm preaching the same message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. In fact, there's eight souls that are going to be baptized today in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Turn to somebody and say, we're still that church. Amen. And Jesus envisions this overwhelming impact that will happen to them when the church is born. He envisions, he sees it prophetically how powerful these fishermen are going to become once they dock the boat and lay down the nets and take up their crosses and start preaching the gospel. He envisions how powerful they will be, how they will catch his vision to not catch fish, but to go catch men. In the miracle of Luke 5, Jesus is giving the future leaders of the church the glimpse of the future. Last Sunday, we celebrated everyone that's coming. People are coming. Huh? That's what Charles Mahaney used to say. He'd say something great. He said, People are coming, huh? Well, I won't be that rough about it. People are coming. There's hunger in this world. This world has no answers. Politics has no answers. Medicine can only take you so far. We thank God for all the doctors and attorneys that are here today and all the professional people. But I'm going to tell you something. There'll come a day when you'll come to the end of nothing. You'll come to the end of your rope. You'll come to the end of your sanity. You'll come to the end of your skills. You'll come to the end of your abilities. You'll come to the end of your education. You'll come to the end of your expertise. And let me tell you who's going to be there to help you pick up the pieces. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can put you back together. He can baptize your baptized brain. 
calling. Hallelujah. He can baptize your education. When you get to the end of yourself, grace is going to be there to pick you up and restore you and, and bring something into your life you never had before. Hallelujah. I neglected to mention one prayer request. Sister Gwen, Brother John, they're here today. Gwen's had two brothers pass away this week. Brother John, raise your hand. John and Gwen Harrington. I want to just pray for comfort right now. I want to just pray for comfort in the name of Jesus. Lord, comfort Gwen and John and their family. Lord God, we didn't see this coming, but you did. I'm asking you to comfort them. Come on, this is the body of Christ. This is how we minister. This is how we love. This is how we care. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Lord, wrap your arms around them in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's thank God for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Lord. So, look, I'm a communicator, okay? I notice people. So forgive that little time out right there. I'm not just preaching to a sea of faces today. By the help of the Lord, I want to preach something to you. I want to bring something to you. So this miracle in Luke 5, it's an instructive miracle. It's a futuristic parallel miracle. In other words, this miracle has a future. This miracle isn't over the day, that day when the sun went down. But this miracle is going to come back in a parallel way, but not in fish. It's going to come back in revival. So Jesus is down by the lake. Everybody say, Jesus is at the lake. He did more miracles at the lake than he ever did in the synagogue. He spent more time at the lake doing ministry than he did in the synagogue. I want to just be more like Jesus. <laughs> Got to get to the lake a little bit more. <laughs> Everybody all right? And... The multitude is pressing in on him. I've got a picture. I want Kayla to show it to you. This is sort of an imagery of what it might have looked like. There's a big crowd. They're on the shores, and Jesus steps into Simon Peter's boat, and they shove out into the water just a little bit. And there's two reasons for this. First of all, Jesus puts a little distance between him and the crowd. Maybe he's like me, a little bit claustrophobic. I don't know. But secondly, as you know, the top of the water, have you ever been in a boat on the water and you think nobody hears what you're saying? And a boat a mile over says, man, that's exactly how I felt this morning when I woke up before I drank my coffee. I get it, bro. Man, it's amazing how sound travels on the water. And Jesus is taking advantage of an acoustical phenomenon. So he moves back. Now his voice can be heard across the water easily. But something appears to be missing uh, from this picture. By Luke's account of this moment, we don't know anything about what Jesus said. Now, I thought the words of Jesus were pretty important, right? If he's got a message, I'm all ears. But in Luke's account of this miracle, all it says is they came to hear the word of God. 
but we don't know anything about Jesus' message that day. But this leads me to believe that central in the mind of Jesus that day was not so much his message, but rather what he was trying to teach the future leaders and followers in the church about this church that he's about ready to launch. In other words, the Bible said that holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And as the Holy Ghost stirs up the mind of Luke to write the gospel of Luke, he doesn't even talk about what Jesus preached. And I'm not minimizing anything because if you read Luke 13, Jesus is also in a boat and there's like three or four messages that he gives. So don't walk out of here and say, pastor said it's not important what Jesus said. But Luke said in Acts chapter one, the former treatise have I made O Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. We not only need what Jesus was teaching, but we need to pay attention to what Jesus was doing. Amen. It's one thing to talk your talk, but it's another thing to walk your talk. And Jesus was not only a teacher, but he was a doer of the word. Praise God. And so we don't know anything about what Jesus preached that day because Jesus is giving them an imagery. Boys, when we launch this thing, you're not going to have two guppies and a minnow in your net. But when we launch this thing, you're not going to even have a net big enough. You better let down the nets. You better let down the nets. Come on. Jesus, what if, what if Peter, James, John, and Andrew, come here, uh, Jarrell and Jackson and Tavares. Come on, jump up here real quick. Man. We got to, Jesus said, let down the nets. Let's, let's get the nets out. Okay, come on, guys, help me pull the nets. Let's see how good of actors you are. Come on, let Jarrell in here. Jarrell, I know you're dramatic. I know you're drama. Come on. How am I doing, mom? So, come on, let's pull the nets over. What? Three lousy fish? What a joke. You mean that's the imagery of the church? It's three little puny fish and one is like... <gasps> Sucking air, he's not going to make it long. No, no, no. Come on, guys. When they're pulling the nets over, I mean, the nets are tearing. The boat is sinking. Come on, guys. Get into it. Get your back into it. They're pulling. Look at this. The nets are tearing. Fish. We didn't even get them all. Some of them fell in the water. It's crazy. I'm telling you, when revival hits, you won't be able to control it. You won't be able to manage it. There's lost people in this city. They're just going to come. They're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They're going to be baptized. We're going to disciple everybody we can, but we won't be able to control it. Jesus is situating their future. We're not in a wimpy church. We're not on the us four and no more church. Forget the notes. I'm just loose right now. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? For 35 years, I envisioned a church at 2,000. I wanted 2,000. I'm not being selfish. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you what the Lord spoke to me. 2,000. Turn to somebody and say 2,000. 
I haven't seen it yet. And 2000 to drop in the bucket for what needs to be done. I've never seen disciples multiply. I've never seen a God revival break in. Everything that we've done so far, we give God all the glory, but it's because you're teaching Bible studies, I'm teaching Bible studies, we're having connect groups, we're having celebrate recovery. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, and we're doing everything we can, but I want to tell you something, that God's vision for revival is bigger than your net, it's bigger than our boat, we better get every net we've got in the water, we need your net in the water, come on, not just my net, we need your net, we need your family net in the water. We need your company net in the water. We need your connect group net in the water. We need VSM net in the water. We need Life Kids Ministry net in the water. We need men's ministry net and ladies' ministry net. We need every net we got. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. COVID wrecked us. COVID wiped us out. I curse COVID in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm calling everybody back that got discouraged during COVID. I'm calling you back to the house of God. I'm calling our sons and daughters back. I'm calling backsliders back. I'm calling the discouraged back. I'm calling the wounded back. I'm calling the upset back. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Listen, when you're line fishing, you can control the harvest. I was fishing for halibut. Just for the halibut. Don't read anything to that. I said I was just fishing just for the halibut. I wasn't fishing for carp or cod or... You know I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Pastor Justin was fishing just for the spoonbill. Snagging them. That's not illegal. Caleb, I don't know what he was fishing for. He don't even know how much it weighed. That was a pretty amazing fish, though. Michaela was there. I wasn't out there because I don't do boats. Like that. And, uh, but when you're fishing with nets, you can't predict who's coming in your net. Do you want a controlled, managed? Oh, we're going to profile who we want in our church. We only want good looking, good cooking. People with bank accounts and nice cars and, and people that look like me and look like you. I tell you something, when you're fishing with a net, God can send anybody. <laughs> hey, hey, when Jesus said, let your net down on the other side, how far was it from one side of the boat to the other side? I don't know how far it was, but it really wasn't about the distance. It was about at thy word, we will let down the net. 
and I'm prophesying to somebody, don't you quit. Don't you give up teaching Bible studies. Don't you give up inviting people to church. It's time for you to try the other side of the boat. Just do it one more time. You may only be 10 feet away. Amen. And God's going to send somebody into your net. And when that net hit the water, Jesus went. He sent every fish. They toiled all night. But at the word of the Lord, in five seconds, their net was bursting. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible said that God in the last days is going to do a quick work. And they're coming. And we won't be able to control it. We can't manage it. God is going to do it. Come on. Do you, do you want a nice little boat and clean nets that don't need any repair? Is that the kind of church you want? Huh? Oh, I had somebody one time, another church I served as pastor. No, I don't know, pastor. These little families are coming in here and these little kids are snotty nose and their hands are dirty and they're wiping their hands on the walls and we're going to have to paint the walls again. Somebody actually said, what happened to the baptistry? What do you mean? I said, well, I used to keep my trumpet case in the baptistry. Well, I thought that's where we baptized. Oh, we haven't baptized anybody in two years. It's been a nice little storage area. Because when he showed up on Sunday, I had cleaned out the baptistry, cleaned up the baptistry, filled up the baptistry, heated up the baptistry as an act of faith. Lord, we're a missional church and we're going to baptize. In the first three months, we baptized 16 people because it was an act of faith. Hallelujah. Come on, get ready, get ready, get ready. Somebody put your net in the water. We're going to keep water in the baptistry. Amen. God has got a revival. 2023 is going to be a year of miracles, a year of vision, a year of signs. You may be seated. Come on, turn to somebody and say, give me five. Come on, slap somebody with a high five. Huh? We need your five Bible studies net to go down in the water. We need your five prayers on location net to go down in the water. We need your five spiritual conversation to go down in the water. We need your five social invitations inviting people to go out to drink coffee down in the water. We need your five acts of service. Come on, raise your hand if you give me five in the last three weeks. Have you reached for five? Come on. That's pretty weak. Bible studies. Prayers on location. Last night, we had a Celebrate Recovery leadership team meeting. Brother Paul and Sister Kim directed it. And it was a lovely time, and they invited my wife and I, and we enjoyed it so much. It's just so exciting to hear and see and feel what God is doing. And Paul made a powerful statement. He said, give me five. That happens every Thursday night. At Celebrate Recovery. He said, well, where am I going to have Bible study people? Where can I have prayers with people? Where can I have spiritual location? Where can I have social... Sorry, let me improve this guy's IQ a little bit. Where can I have social invitations and acts of service? 
I'll tell you where it would be a good start, Thursday night. In fact, Sunday morning would be a good start. There's people here today that need somebody like you to walk in your life and be their friend. I told two young men who are here for their first time, the church will be your best friend. You can find a good job here. You can make contact with God here. Your body and mind and soul and spirit can be healed here. You can network with people like Billy Thompson, amen, who are small business owners and looking for people that are hard workers. Come on, the church is the best friend you've ever had. And we're gonna need the church the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. You can give me five on a Thursday night. Speaking of celebrate recovery. I wrote it down, Paul, but I don't know where it is. Come here. Get, you know what I want. You know what? There's this pre- preconceived misconception. Well, celebrate recoveries for... The down and outers and the indigent and, you know, homeless people and, dude, I don't know. I want to associate. Look, are you fishing with a line or a net? God's getting ready to prove some of you wrong. He's getting ready to prove somebody in this house wrong. I'm telling you what's going to happen. How many did we start with at Celebrate Recovery? Like 45 or 50? Right, we're averaging 60. And 40 of them were from the church? That's it, 40 volunteers. And we're looking around at two or three people we never seen before? What happened this month? We're averaging over 100 people every, every time we get together now on Thursday nights. That's net fishing. Come on, that's net fishing. Well, well, yeah, but Paul... Them people that's coming to celebrate recovery, they ain't going to help us much because they're alcoholics and they're drug addicts and they're two-pack-a-day smokers and they're addicted to porn and all this sexual addiction. And I'm not minimizing any of that, but that's what some of you are thinking. And if we will get rid of that mentality and realize we're not so uppity, God will send everybody. everybody. He will send Amen. everybody. Amen. So, Paul, we know about the addicts, but who else is coming? Amen. We have uh, airline pilots coming. Wait a minute. How many heard that? Who's coming? Airline pilots. Military personnel. Who's coming to celebrate recovery? Military people. Do we love the military at the Life Church? Who else is coming? Amen. We have painters and accountants. Painters, Terry, that's not a bad calling. That's not a bad occupation. David, how about painters? I'm going to say commercial professional painters. Who else? Amen. We have pastors and first responders. Well, let me just celebrate. Pastors are coming to celebrate recovery. First responders are coming. Amen. And small business owners and IRS agents are coming. We're having real revival, Brother Bob White. IRS agents are coming to celebrate recovery. Come on, we're net fishing. We're net fishing. And God can put in that net whoever he wants to. I'm excited. Would you stand with me? Oh, man. I am so splattered right now all over the place.
God's about ready to wreck this church. (laughs) I'm going to be like, oh God. We had a nice, tidy, nice little cute, nice little church. I knew everybody's name. Can I tell you something? You're not going to know everybody's name. Well, I want to be a church where I can shake everybody's hand. You'll be a big duck on a little pond. That's what you'll end up being. Huh? (laughs) I am getting sort of deaf, so I'm saying that more often these days. I'm prophesying. We're going to have to have three services on Sunday morning and one on a Saturday night. You hear me, Pastor? That's where we're going. That's where you're going to take this church. Three services on Sunday morning and one on a Sunday night. And not everybody that comes on Saturday night is coming on Sunday morning. And not everybody that's coming on Sunday morning is coming on Saturday night. Because we're fishing with nets. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.